Tonight, if you would, go in your Bible to Genesis chapter 39. Esta noche vamos a ir a Genesis capítulo 39, el verso 1 en adelante. Genesis 39, verse 1 and on. And we have been discussing on Sunday morning the coat my father gave me. We're going to continue that study through our Wednesday night in a little bit different perspective. But uh, the same life and the account of the life of, of Joseph. Last week we talked about adjusting your attitude. How many of you were here last week? Yeah. And uh, how many of you have been uh, meditating on that word for a little while? Hopefully you have been walking with a good, godly, productive, motivated attitude. Um, tonight I want to talk about adjusting your perspective. And I want to use uh, just as a sub theme, adjust or rust, all right, tell your neighbor, adjust or rust, how many of you want to rust, no, nobody wants to rust, vamos a usar por tema esta noche, esta noche, ajusta o oxidiza, cuantos quieren estar con mojo, sin poder moverse, oxidar, no quieren oxidar, rust is a Normal part of life for things that are not moving, things that are not changing, and things that are not being uh, maintained. Eh, las cosas uh, se enmojecen cuando no son movidas, cuando no son expuestas a cambio. Entonces, a veces en la vida espiritual, hay, algunos llegan a estar uh, como... Uh, in esa situación, many times in our spiritual life, if we're not careful, we will rust. If we're not uh, being careful and diligent in maintaining our spiritual life and our spiritual walk. And Joseph gives us an opportunity to really think about this tonight because the fact is that Joseph had an option when his life started to take a downhill turn. Cuando la vida de José comenzó a ir hacia abajo, él tuvo la opción de parar. De no vivir su vida. He had the option of stopping and not uh, controlling his life, not making a decision for um, living. He could have just said, you know what, this is it, I'm done, God has forgotten me. And he could have rusted in the pit. And many people have done that. They have decided, you know what, life's too hard, faith is too hard, walking with God is too hard, I'm just going to sit here. And life has rusted them away. I don't want that for you. Say amen, somebody. Algunos les ha pasado que la vida, han dicho, es muy difícil, no puedo. Esto de la fe es muy difícil, no puedo. Y han llegado a estar en un estado donde ya no se pueden mover. Necesitan una unción nueva del Espíritu Santo para moverles. Uh, if you have rusted over, I want to just tell you that the oil of the Spirit can loosen things up, all right? If you're like the tin man and you're stuck in place, just get the Holy Spirit on you and he'll loosen things up. Say amen, somebody. So tell your neighbor again, adjust or rust? Sometimes you've got to adjust your attitude. A veces tenemos que ajustar nuestra actitud. We talked about that last week, and if you missed that, I advise you to go listen to that podcast because that's going to be important uh, for you to study. But tonight I want to talk about adjusting your perspective. 
And I want to read out of this portion of Scripture, Genesis 39, verse 1. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar and the Egyptian officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the bodyguard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, so he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now his master saw that the Lord was with him, and how the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in the sight of God and became his personal servant. And he made him overseer over his house, and all that he owned he put in his charge. And it came about that from that time he made him overseer of his house and over all that he owned. And the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house on account of Joseph. Thus the Lord blessed, uh, the Lord's blessing was upon all that he owned in the house and in the field. So he left everything he owned in Joseph's charge. And with him there did not concern himself anything except the food which he ate. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you tonight for the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit. I ask tonight that you would anoint my lips of clay to teach the word of God. And I ask that you would anoint the hearing of this congregation that they might hear the word and receive it as seed sown in the fertile soil of their hearts. And I ask you also that you would allow us to become a people who can adjust to the changing seasons of our life without missing a beat in what you have for us in every area of our life. We ask that in Jesus' name, and the church said amen. Amen. Joseph has uh, now arrived in Egypt. Last uh, time we, we spoke, we talked about the fact that Joseph was sold as a slave by his brothers. Joseph was really the half-brother of ten sons of Jacob. They had the same father but different mothers, and so this was a blended family, and they had all the same problems that blended families have. But Joseph's brothers were a lot older than him. And they were not as favored by their father as Joseph was. And at the age of 17, Jacob, their father, sent the, the ten sons to go and pasture the flock in, in a uh, distant land called Shechem. And uh, when they went to Shechem, they didn't stay there. They went to Dothan, which was the sin city of the region because they wanted to have a little fun while they were doing their father's business. And after a while, their father sent Joseph to go and to check on them, to check on their welfare. And when he, when he got there, they saw him coming. They saw him at a long distance, and they began to hatch a plot in order to kill Joseph. The fact is that Joseph now has an encounter with his brothers that is going to utterly change his life. What began as a trip to go and check on his brothers is going to become a, uh, a, a, a journey that's going to take him 15 or so years away from his home, away from his life, away from his father. He's going to be sold as a slave at the hands of his brothers. And in fact, that in and of itself was a blessing from God. You say, Pastor, how can being sold as a slave be a blessing from God. Well, his brothers originally intended to kill him. And they threw him into a pit, but by the providence of God, there was no water in the well that they threw him into. 
And so already you begin to see that even though things are turning down for Joseph, that there is a hand of God, the hand of providence, that is watching over his life. Cuando José llega donde están sus hermanos, sus hermanos lo tiran en un pozo de agua, pero por la providencia de Dios no había agua en el pozo. Entonces no se ahogó en ese, en ese pozo. He didn't drown in that pit. And then uh, we, we find that they're starting to decide, all right, what do we do with him? Ahora están decidiendo qué vamos a hacer con él. And up the, up the road is coming a band of merchants. Again, the work of God, the providence of God. Viene por el camino un grupo de vendedores, los cuales esto es un acto de la providencia de Dios. Porque se le ocurre a los hermanos de Jacob, vamos a venderlo. Jacob's brothers now think, let's sell him. Instead of killing him, let's not get his blood on our hands because he is our brother. So let's just sell him. And Joseph is taken as a teenager into slavery. Now the words I read to you tonight are the words that follow that experience. And when you read these few verses, these six verses of the Bible, do not have a negative twist on them at all. In fact, there are so many positive statements in these six verses that you would think that you were reading about Joseph while he was on top. But in fact, you're reading about Joseph while he's on the bottom. And what I want to share with you tonight is that there is an importance in every one of our life in adjusting to the situations that come into our life. Una, hay una gran importancia en nuestra vida en ajustarnos a las circunstancias o situaciones de la vida. How many of you know you can't always choose your situation? You can't always choose your circumstances, but you can always choose your perspective. And like we saw last week, you can always choose your attitude. No siempre usted va a poder escoger sus circunstancias, no va a poder escoger el, uh, los, los momentos de las situaciones de su vida, pero siempre va a tener la decisión, la opción de escoger su actitud y de escoger su perspectiva, de escoger cómo yo voy a reaccionar a esta situación. You have the option of responding or reacting in different situations. And so what we see in this verse is the fact that Joseph had a, a perspective that really was divine. José, en estos versos lo vemos que él tiene una perspectiva divina. And here's what I want to say tonight. There are really only two perspectives a person can have. Hay verdaderamente solamente dos perspectivas que una persona puede tener. The first one I'm going to call the problem perspective. La primera le vamos a llamar la perspectiva del problema. Would you say that with me? The problem perspective. The problem perspective can only see what? The problem. La perspectiva del problema es aquella persona que todo lo que ve es el problema. Now, if you have the problem perspective tonight, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, all right? I just want to talk to you for a couple of minutes. Uh, si usted tiene la perspectiva del problema, yo no quiero que usted levante la mano, solamente vamos a hablar una charla un, un ratito aquí. There are some people who all they can see is the negative. Hay personas que todo lo que ven es lo negativo. Have you ever met these people? Usted se ha encontrado con personas que todo lo que ven es lo negativo. There are people who all they can see is the problem. 
And as long as you have the problem perspective, you can't go up. Mientras usted tenga la perspectiva del problema, no va a subir hacia abajo. When you think about a political candidate, the successful ones are the ones who see the problem and offer a solution. But the, the ones who just see problems, they don't get very far. And that's just a fact in all of life. None of us like to work with negative people. Right? None of us like to live with negative people. None of us like to um, share our dreams with negative people because as soon as you share them, they're going to tell you all the problems that are going to come with your dream, with your vision, with your goal. And so the negative is the, is the focus of the problem perspective. The Bible really puts it like this. It says that the mind set on the flesh is death. Say that with me. The mindset on the flesh is death. Everything that, 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 is, that the flesh focuses on is the negative. La carne medita lo negativo. La carne medita lo no bueno. Entonces la Biblia dice que la mente puesta en la carne es muerte. I have been with people in the hospital who have been uh, ill but not grievously ill. And who have been told by the doctor, you're ready to go home. And in their mind, they were still sick and they could not change how they thought about it. They spoke negatively. They thought negatively. And then I had to bury them because the mind set on the flesh is death. I've met other people who are on the very brink of death. Whose mind was set on something greater than the negative. Something was positive. Something about their faith said, I'm going to get up from this. God's going to do a miracle in my life. And I have seen them get up and walk out. Why? Because the mind set on the flesh is death. But the mind set on the spirit is life. Let me, let me just ask you a question. Imagine this. When you're talking to the Holy Spirit, how does he sound? Does he sound like this? Nope. Can't do it. It's not going to be done. It's over. This is it. You might as well quit. You might as well give in. Do you think? that's what the Holy Spirit of God sounds like? Come on, I need a little bit better answer. Do you think that's how the Holy Spirit sounds? Well, that's how he sounds to me, Pastor. That's not the Holy Spirit. When you hear the Holy Spirit, he says, get up. You can do it. This is, this is God's time for your life. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Nothing shall be impossible to those who believe. The Holy Spirit is a, a, a positive voice. That encourages your, your heart, encourages your spirit. So there is the problem perspective. The other perspective is the promise perspective. La otra perspectiva es la perspectiva de la promesa. Say that with me, the promise perspective. Now the promise perspective is that person who has this perspective, they see the problem but they look through the problem and they see the promise of God over that situation. Una persona que tiene la perspectiva de la promesa es una persona que puede mirar a, a través del problema y ver la promesa de Dios sobre ese problema. Are there any, are there any people in here who have a promise perspective? Habrá alguien aquí que tiene la perspectiva de la promesa. You know, the word perspective literally means to look through something. La palabra perspectiva significa ver a través de una cosa, mirar 
hacia adentro a través de una cosa. The promised perspective has the, their mind, their heart, their attention, their focus on what God has said over their life. And Joseph had the promised perspective. Listen, guys. Joseph, at this moment, is in a dire situation. He's gone from being daddy's boy, where everything that he ever wanted and dreamed about is possible, and now he is a slave in a foreign land where they speak a foreign language, where they eat a foreign, uh, a foreign uh, diet, where they, where they serve foreign gods. He has to decide, what am I going to look at? What am I going to focus on? Am I going to focus on what, what, I, what I'm looking at, the problem I have, or am I going to focus on what God told me about me? You see, because Joseph had been given a promise from God. God told him that his brothers were going to bow down to him and that he was going to reign. God had given him a dream that said that the sun, the moon, and the stars were going to bow down to him. And so now he's got to decide, am I going to focus on the problem I have in my life or am I going to focus on the promise that I have over my life? I want to encourage you tonight to make a decision. I am going to have the promised perspective. I am going to look at what God has spoken over my life. Say amen, somebody. When you decide God has spoken, over my life. I want you to say this with me. God has spoken over my life. Now go like this. Over my life. All right. You know what? I want you to focus on that little word over. All right. God has spoken over your life. You know what that means? That his word is over every other word. What he has said is over everything else. If, if I, if I uh, uh, go to, to the uh, army and I speak to a private and the private says, no, you can't go in there, I can go up to the next guy in command, talk to the captain. If the captain says no, then I can go up to the next guy. And if the general says yes, it doesn't matter what the other guy said. His word is over everybody else. Guess what? God's word over your life is, is over every other word that's been spoken over your life. Come on, I need some faith in the house tonight because I know there's been some words spoken over your life. But God says, my word is over all of those words. My word is going to have the final say in your life. So I'm going to decide to believe the promises of God over my life. His word is over and above every other word. El de la perspectiva de la promesa tiene esta seguranza que lo que Dios ha dicho sobre mi vida vale más que el problema donde yo estoy pasando ahorita. Now, God never promised us that we would have no problems. Now, I don't know about you, but I haven't found that in the Bible. I read it a few times. I have never found a verse that says, it will never rain on your parade. You will never have problems. In fact, Jesus said the other thing. He said, in this world, you will have troubles. But fear not. I have overcome the world. I am over the world. 
All right, so you and I have to decide which perspective am I going to have. Am I going to have the problem perspective or am I going to have the promise perspective? Joseph can say, look, I'm a slave. I'm ruined. My dad thinks I'm dead. My brothers are bums. I am done for. This is it. I'm going to live the next 70 or so years of my life in drudgery and ruin. I'm going to be a slave. Or he can say, wait a minute. God spoke a promise over my life. And although I can't see it right now, what God said is over where I'm at right now. What God said is over my brothers. It's over Potiphar. It's over Pharaoh. It's over every other thing that has been going on. In my life. Now, I want you to just right there in, in Genesis 39, keep your Bible open because I want you to see four things that Joseph has in the midst of adversity. All right? Four things Joseph has in the midst of adversity. Then we're going to break down this promise perspective here because we see God fulfilling four promises to Joseph in the middle of his adversity. Oftentimes we think that if I get out of the problem, I'll see my promises. You know what? God will fulfill his promises in the middle of the problem. I'm going to need some faith in here tonight. I said God can fulfill his promises in the middle of the problem. Dios puede cumplir sus promesas dentro del problema. A veces esperamos que cuando salga yo de esto, van a pasar esas cosas en mi vida. ¿Por qué no ahorita? ¿Por qué Dios no puede cumplir su, pro, su promesa aún en medio del, del problema? Look at verse 2. Verse 2 says, the Lord was with Joseph. Who was with Joseph? Say that. The Lord was with Joseph. You know, when you read on, we read that Joseph was in the prison. And the Bible says, and the Lord was with Joseph. And then we read that Joseph is in the palace, and we read again, and the Lord was with Joseph. Here's the first promise that Joseph had fulfilled in his life in the middle of adversity, the promise of God's presence. The Lord was with Joseph. Joseph's brothers were not with him, but the Lord was with Joseph. His father was not there, but the Lord was with Joseph. Can I tell you, friend, that even when you're going through adversity, you have this promise over your life. I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. God says, I'm not going to desert you. You can count on my presence. Dios nos da esta promesa que en medio de la adversidad, Él va a estar presente. Dice la Escritura, Jehová estaba con José. En cada etapa de la vida de José, dice la Escritura, vez tras vez, y Jehová estaba con José. Y Jehová estaba con José. And I can look over my life as I'm sure you can look over your life. And I can say the Lord was with me. I can look at when I was seven years old and preach my first sermon in a church. And I can say the Lord was with me. And I can look at when I went off to uh, foreign nations and got into some, uh, into some difficult situations as a missionary. And say the Lord was with me. And I can talk about a, a, a storm that we endured on the Amazon River that could have been fatal but the Lord was with me and I can tell you about moments when I have confronted sickness but I can tell you the Lord was with me and so when I look at tomorrow what should I expect
expect? Should I expect that God brought me all this way so he could say, Isaac, this is where I get off? No, I expect that if he was there yesterday, he's going to be there tomorrow because the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord is with me. I count on God's enduring presence. It has been spoken over my life. It's been spoken over your life. I will never leave you nor forsake you. In fact, the Hebrew has another word. It actually says, I will never, no, never leave you nor forsake you. God says, I'm not going to desert you, but I'm, in, but I'm a slave. I'm with you. But I feel like I've lost everything. I'm with you. And some days... The only thing that can comfort your soul is the presence of the Lord. Come on, I need some Christians who know what I'm talking about in here tonight. Who know that in the dark nights, when there's no answer in sight, there's one thing that comforts your soul. He that walks beside you. He that sits on the edge of your bed. He that tells you, sleep on, I'm with you. I've got this. When I was growing up, we'd see all over the place, it seems like uh, the poem of the footsteps. And if you ever read the poem of the footsteps, it talks about a man who, who was walking alone on the beach, and he saw his footsteps, uh, just uh, one pair of footsteps. But then he started walking with Christ, and now he saw two sets of footprints on the sand. And as he was walking it was joy and it was, there was peace and there was conversation and there was fellowship with God. But then there was a storm and there was a, a harsh rain and there was flooding and there was lightning. And, and he looked down and all he could see was one set of footprints. And when he got to heaven, he said, Lord, why did you leave me? When I was in the storm, when I was going through the flood and the rain, all I could see was one set of footprints. And the Lord said, you see... The only thing is you've got the wrong perspective because that one set of footprints wasn't yours. It was mine. I was carrying you. I was with you. Come on, somebody. How many of you know the Lord was there? He was with you. When you seem like this is it, this is over for me, God said, I am with you. I'm your God. I'm your father. Joseph had the promise fulfilled in his life. In the middle of adversity, the Lord was with Joseph. You read the next phrase, it says, so he became successful. Wait a minute. I thought he was a, a slave. I thought he was a prisoner. I thought he was on the bottom. I thought he was in the, at the end of his rope. What does the Bible said? He became a successful man. Now we see the second promise that God gives him in his adversity is that he finds that he can be successful in the midst of adversity. Listen, get over the idea that in order to be successful, you've got to have a, a set of green lights all the way to the front. God will give you success even in days of adversity. How many of you need some success? You know, the Bible says that the Lord blessed Abraham in every way. That sounds like success to me. God has promised success over your life. He told Joshua that if you will be diligent in obeying my word and doing my word and 
guarding it in your heart, in your mouth, in your life. He said, then you will find good success. God has promised you, he's promised me success. And many times we think as a believer, success can only come when we're going through good times. But the fact is that most opportunities for success happen in the midst of adversity. In the midst of moments when you don't have, you don't see your way clear, but you, you begin to walk in the direction of God by faith and you start to realize that I am succeeding because although I'm going through a mess, my faith is growing, my worship is maturing, my prayer life is enduring, I'm getting in the Word and you start to find success in your spirit and you, find it, you start to see that God can grant you success even in moments Oh, difficulty. Dios le da a José éxito en la adversidad. A veces pensamos, yo no puedo tener éxito a menos de que todo vaya bien en mi vida. Pero José nos enseña que Dios le da éxito aún en medio de los problemas, en medio de la adversidad de su vida. And then if you read down to verse 3, it says that his master saw that the Lord was with him. And how the Lord... Cause all that he did to prosper in his hand. Would you just underline that word prosper? You can underline those three words. God was with him. God made him successful. And God made him to prosper. Did you know that God can cause you to prosper in every season of your life? Now that was a weak amen. That was, you know, that was an old warmed over amen. All right, I, I'm going to say that again. God can make you prosper in every season of your life. Even in the season of adversity, God can cause you to prosper. You say, preacher, I don't know if I believe that. I don't know if I can receive that. Well, believe it or not, receive it or not, I have it over my life and so do you. Because the Bible said that the righteous man, whatever he does, will prosper. Come on, somebody. Whatever he does will prosper. And he shall be, listen, he shall be like a tree planted near the rivers of water that his leaves never wither and he bears fruit in every season. Say every season. You know that when you have an apple tree, apples only bear fruit in certain seasons. So if you come to an apple tree in the winter, it's not going to give you apples. It's not going to give you oranges. It's not going to give you anything. But God says about you that you're the kind of tree that if he comes up to you in the winter, you can give fruit. And if he comes up to you in the spring, you can give fruit. And in the summer, you can give fruit. Come on, somebody. Every season, he says, you will be like a tree that bears fruit in every season. You're going to prosper in every season of your life. But you know what happens is that many times when we're going through adversity, we stop looking for opportunities. A veces cuando vamos por la adversidad, no creemos que podemos prosperar. Pero dice la Escritura 
que el, el justo será como el árbol centrado junto, plantado junto a las aguas que dará fruto en todo tiempo eso es la prosperidad pero lo que pasa es que a veces cuando vamos por adversidad no buscamos las oportunidades when you're going through adversity and you stop looking for opportunities what you're really saying is I can't prosper in this season I can't make any ground in this season. I can't get ahead in this season. But what God is telling you is that you can bear fruit in every season of your life. And there will be moments in your life when you will, when you will wonder, how did God do that? How did God? It's not supposed to work that way. Hay momentos en nuestra vida donde nos admiramos a lo que Dios hace y decimos, eso no debe de funcionar, eso no debe de trabajar. Pero cuando usted está caminando en fe, when you're walking in faith, God will make things that aren't supposed to work, work. I said, God will make things that aren't supposed to work, work. Come on, I need some faith in the house tonight because this is what God has spoken over your life. Eso es lo que Dios ha hablado sobre tu vida. And then we see in verse 4, Joseph found favor in his sight and he became his personal servant and he made him overseer. Underline that word became and the word made him overseer because now what we see is that God gives Joseph promotion in the midst of adversity. Dios le da a, a José promoción en medio de la adversidad. How many of you need some promotion? Oh, I'm just going to stop teaching tonight. I'm in front of the wrong crowd. How many of you need some promotion? That's a little better. We're working on it. We're working on it, Lord. Give us a moment. How many of you need a promotion at your job? How many of you need a promotion in your pay? How many of you need a promotion at school? I just need to pass. Right, I just need to get out of here. Come on, somebody. God promoted Joseph in adversity. You know what the Bible said? The Bible says promotion comes from the Lord. Say that with me. Promotion comes from the Lord. Don't look at your boss for a promotion. Look at the Lord. I don't think you heard me. I said look at the Lord. You see, you're following man around to see what man can do for you. You look to God. God will move you up if you will obey him, if you will trust him. He'll give you favor. He'll do things that shouldn't happen. Somebody will have more skills and more experience and better qualification and better education and still you get the job because God said, Promotion comes from me. This is my child. I'm going to favor them. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about God can promote you even in adversity. Dios te, ve, te da promoción, te puede dar promoción aún en la adversidad. In fact, I believe that before every season of promotion, there is a season of adversity. Mm, I don't like that sermon, Pastor Isaac. Preach a different one. Yo creo que antes de cada época de promoción en nuestra vida hay una época de adversidad. Because the Bible says this, the Bible says that pride comes before a fall. That must mean that humility comes before promotion. 
And many times adversity comes to bring us low so that we can go high. It comes to get us down where God can deal with us so that he can say, all right, now I'm going to put you in a new place. But that place, I want you to remember, you didn't get it because of how good you were, how good looking you were, how smart you were, how sharp you were. You got it because I am God and you are my child. Promotion comes from the Lord. Look at those two words. The Lord, it says Joseph became and he was made. Listen, those words mean that he became something he wasn't before. And he was made something that he wasn't before. This is nothing more than the work of God on Joseph's behalf. Dice ahí que José lo hicieron, el administrador. Fue hecho algo que no era antes. This is important because oftentimes when you look at yourself, I look at myself, I don't see what God sees. But you remember when Jesus called the disciples, he didn't say, you will be fishers of men. He said, I will make you. I will make you fishers of men. Promotion comes from God because only God can make you what you need to be to do what he wants done in that season of your life, in this generation. Dios te tiene que hacer la cosa que tú no eres. So don't worry about making yourself. God is the maker. I said God is the maker. He will make you. He'll make you strong when you need to be strong. He'll make you smart when you need to be smart. He'll make you wise when you need to be wise. He'll make you rich when you need to be rich. Come on, somebody. He will make you. You will become what God needs you to be in order to do his work, his will in your generation. Can I get an amen? All right, this is the promise of God over your life. Presence, success, prosperity, promotion. Where? In the middle of adversity. In the middle of the storm. In the middle of the crisis. Why? Because Joseph had a promise perspective. I believe every night Joseph went to bed, he could see the sun, the moon, and the stars bowing down to him. He could see the sheaves bowing down to him. He could see in his, in his spirit what God had promised to him. And so instead of saying, I'm going to be the worst slave Potiphar ever bought, he's going to regret buying me. You know, that's how some people show up to work. They're going to regret hiring me. And they don't keep a job long. Joseph takes a different perspective. He says, you know what? If I'm going to reign over the sun, the moon, and the stars, I might as well start here. Come on, somebody. This is where the rubber meets the road. If you're going to do that thing over there, you might as well start right here. Because look, his perspective is where he's going. Not where he's been. Not where he is, but where he's going. You've got to decide, my perspective is not going to be where I've been. I've been in the pit. I've been in the garbage. I've been in ruin. My perspective is not back there. My perspective is not right here because it's not much better than where I was. But I'm going for something else. 
La perspectiva de José no es donde yo estaba Ni donde yo estoy Pero a donde yo voy Él tiene una perspectiva de la promesa de Dios And let me tell you this God's promise in your life is good Until it's fulfilled Listen, this is very important God's promise over your life is good until it's fulfilled. You ought to write that down. Say, God's promise over my life is good until it's fulfilled. Now, why is that important, Pastor? Because some people think like this. God's promise in my life is good until I give up. Or is good until I die. But wait. There are some promises God gives that aren't for you. They're for your children. They're for your grandchildren. I need you to get a bit different perspective tonight. I need you to see that God can be fulfilling promises long after you're dead. Long after we have sung your last hymn. And we have, we have put dust on your casket. God can say, because of my servant Isaac, I'm going to bless his children and his grandchildren and his great grandchildren. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about people. I'm talking about people way down the line. If Jesus tarries, people who never saw you, they never ate your food, they never drank your, your Kool-Aid, they never sat in your kitchen, but they're going to look back and say, why am I so blessed? Why am I so strong? Why is, there, why is there money in my bank account? Why is there success in my marriage? Why is there healing in my heart? And they can say, because way back there, somebody got a promised perspective. Somebody saw what God was going to do. Come on, somebody. He will keep his promises until they are fulfilled. Forget this thing that if I die, my promise is dead with me. No, God will keep his covenant to a thousand generations. Can you see it? It's exciting, isn't it? When you realize God is a long-term plan. Listen, if I can just look at Joseph for a moment. Joseph is going to save you. How's that, Pastor? I don't have any Jewish blood. God promised Abraham that in his seed, all of the nations of the earth would be blessed. Salvation would come to the Gentiles because of a Jew. Now look, at in the days of Joseph, a famine came on the land that just about wiped out the Jewish nation. If Joseph hadn't have been through what he had been through and hadn't have endured what he endured, the Jewish nation would have been wiped out. The Jewish bloodline would have been wiped out. No Messiah, no Savior. So instead of waking up one morning and panicking over the middle of a famine because, uh, because there's no one to rescue the nation of Israel, God, the Bible says in, in Psalm 115 that the Lord sent Joseph ahead. He sent Joseph ahead. God is sending you ahead. You're not hearing me. I said God is sending you ahead. You're here tonight because there's somebody coming behind you. God has sent you ahead to accomplish something for many generations. Say, Lord, give me a promised perspective. 
He had to make a decision. Am I going to focus on today? The junk I'm living with? Or am I going to focus on God's word spoken over my life? All right. Here's what the Bible says. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Therefore we do not lose heart. But though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. What does he say? We look not at the things which are seen. The spiritual perspective is never looking at what it can see. It's looking at what it cannot see. What do you see? Come on, somebody. What do you see? You know, there's a lot of Christians that are like chickens. All they can do is peck, 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 peck. All they see is the dirt, the ground. God didn't call you to be a chicken. He made you an eagle. So you can go higher. I said, so you can go higher. And you can see more. And when you're soaring in the air, you can see things that the temporal, natural, rusty man can't see. He says, we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. I see something in my spirit that I don't see in my carnal eyes. I see things about this church. I see things about our sister churches. I see things about my ministry. I see things about your ministry that, that you and I can't see with our natural eye. And when I talk about what I talked about on Sunday morning, some people say, Pastor Isaac's lost it. Good thing he's a young man because he's got all his life to try. But they can't see. You and I, we can see. You see yourself living in a house. It's not the house you're living in right now. And it's paid off and your car is paid off. Can anybody see that? Because, guys, unless you can see it, you're never going to see it. If you can't see it, you'll never see it. You might be driving past it every day, but you can't see it because you can't see it. When your inner man sees, my descendants are going to serve the Lord. My children are going to go to college. They are going to be a success. I have, I have preachers in my generations. Come on, somebody. When you see with the Spirit, you see with God's perspective. 
And it becomes realer, if that's a word. It becomes realer, truer than what you see in your, in your natural eyes. My natural eyes see an empty chair, but my spiritual eyes see a man. Our natural eyes see an empty section of the sanctuary, but our spiritual eyes see a sanctuary much larger filled with souls hungry for God. Come on, somebody. We do not look at what we can see, but that what we cannot see. Because the things which are seen are temporal. They will rust. They will age. They will grow old. They will corrode. But the things that are unseen are eternal. The Bible says this in the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, verse, verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. What did he say? My ways are over your ways and my thoughts are over your thoughts. Come on, somebody. Get a promise perspective tonight. God says my way and my thoughts are not yours. They're not limited to what you can see. They're greater than that. So here's some questions I want you to ask about the season you're in and every season you're in. Are you ready? Write these down quickly. Number one, what does God want me to learn? What does God want me to learn? Say that with me. Lord, what do you want me to learn? You know, Joseph started to administer the entire household of Potiphar. Why? Why was it important for him to learn how to do inventory and pay invoices and payrolls? Because in his future, God would have him running the inventory for a nation. There was something in that season that he had to learn. He had to learn in Potiphar's house how to run a house because someday he was going to run the whole house of Egypt. What do you need to learn in this season? Ask God to give you that perspective. Lord, what do I need to learn where I'm at right now? What are you teaching me? What is it about this season that I'm supposed to be digesting and learning? The next question is, who does God want me to help? Say that with me. Who does God want me to help? The Bible says that Potiphar was blessed. In fact, the verse says the Egyptian was blessed. Because or on account of Joseph. Who wins when you win? The Egyptian was blessed. Listen, the Egyptian didn't fear God. 
The Egyptian didn't go to church on Wednesday nights for Bible study. The Egyptian didn't have a covenant relationship with Yahweh. The Egyptian was blessed because of an account on the account of a Jewish boy who had a promised perspective. So you need to be asking, Lord, who am I supposed to be helping? Who am I supposed to be serving right now? Find that Potiphar, find that, that house that God has said, this is where I want you to bless. Because right now, you might be thinking, I can't serve until I'm over there where God promised me. And if you wait to get to the palace to serve, you ain't never going to serve. You've got to start serving where you are. And you might say, you know what, i got to wait until I, until I re meet the right people, until I get the right relationships in my life. You better treat the people you've got in your life good now. Serve somebody where you are right now. God will take care of tomorrow, but today there's somebody in your life that he wants you to serve. That he wants you to pour into. And oftentimes in adversity, all we can think about is who's going to serve me? How am I going to get out of this thing? Where does my help come from? And we're looking around for somebody who's walking around with our answer. But God says, you know what? You become somebody else's answer, and I'll bring your answer into your life. Come on, somebody. You've you got to decide I'm going to be someone else's answer. The Bible says to love the Lord and do good. Find a place, a person, a someone, a church, a nursing home, a prison, a jail, a house, a school, a life that you can do good in. God says, you'll do that. I'll prosper you. I'll show up in your life. I'll make things work that shouldn't work because you've got a perspective of what I can do and where I'm taking you. God, who do you want me to serve right now? Who do you want me to love? Right now, next, next Sunday morning when you, read, when you meet a, a guest in our church who's here for the first time, doesn't know anybody, might feel a little bit awkward, reach out to them because they might be the person God wants you to bless. That God wants you to love, to show kindness to. It might just be a smile. When you're going through hell itself, you can turn around and tell somebody else, it's going to be all right. God's in control of this. Next question is, Lord, where do you want me to be? Where do you want me to be? If God wanted Joseph in the palace at the age of 17, he would have put him there. Say amen, somebody. But there was a somewhere that he needed to be that wasn't the palace yet. Just because you're not where you're going doesn't mean that where you are isn't where God wants you. Are you hearing me tonight? Just because you're not where you're going doesn't mean that you can't be useful where you are. Bloom where God planted you. Bear fruit where God planted you. Because promotion comes from the Lord. 
Would you stand with me tonight? I've gone a little long tonight, but I think this is the word of the Lord. The Bible says Moses sent 12 spies into the land. You remember that? Ten of them came back and said, no. It's too hard. The giants are going to eat us alive. They had a problem perspective. Two of them said, yes, we can. Yes, we can. They had a promise perspective. I feel led of the Lord to do something tonight as a symbolic act. If you have a promise perspective, I want you to take a a step out of your pew into this altar, just like Caleb and Joshua separated themselves from the problem and the negative and said, we're going to believe God. I want you to make that decision tonight. Just make a decision to say, you know what? God, I have a promised perspective. I'm going to trust your word. I'm going to trust what you've spoken over my life. I'm going to grab a hold of your promise. I can't see it with my natural eye. But my spirit sees it. For faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of the things I cannot see. Come on, stir up your faith tonight. I believe God. I believe God. I believe his word is true. I believe his covenant promises to me and to my descendants will come to pass. I will have his presence in the middle of adversity. I will have success in adversity. I will prosper and bear fruit in every season, even in season of adversity. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. I will have promotion. I will have promotion in the years of adversity.